0: Traveling through another dimension, dimension. a dimension not only of sight and sound but of mind, mind. a journey into a wondrous land land whose
1: boundaries are that of imagination. That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop: the Twilight Zone.
2: Tonight on the Twilight Zone podcast, we are not escaping into the past as we normally do. We are right here in the present for season two of the new Twilight Zone. And I'm going to kick things off with the person who joined me last for season one, my good friend, Brandon Shea Mutala. Brandon, it's good to have you back, man. Thanks for coming.
3: Uh, You're very welcome. I'm very happy to be here. But, uh, you know, you've got a bit of an attitude there, Tom. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> yes yes i have i have but um brandon we you know you were along for the ride uh last season and i'm sure we went over this but just briefly twilight zone season one how did that work out for you
3: i thought it was really good overall um there was only about two episodes that i didn't really like that much but pretty much everything else really hit it out of the park mm-hmm. um i mean we spoke on nightmare at 30,000 feet or whatever the number is and I'm like well they probably should have trimmed the last minute or two off of that one and yeah you know Blue Scorpion was my favorite episode and I'm like yeah they probably should have trimmed the last scene of that one as well but I mean other than that I thought it was really fantastic and and as soon as it was done I'm like yeah bring it on let's get some more of this stuff.
2: Run and length came up a lot in the kind of conversations with people last year and I think this year there's at least three episodes that are only like thirty minutes long, mm-hmm. and and running time. It, to be honest, it wasn't really a big deal for me. Uh, it's like season four that I'm going through on the main show now. It doesn't really bother me that much, to be honest. I, I think it's interesting to let it go in different ways. But I think probably the benefit of it being on a streaming service is it's not filling a time slot, so the story can be just as long as it needs to be. But but I guess mm-hmm. it, it, it's something I don't know whether they listen to that, and or it's just how this season developed. Uh, you know, we've got thirty-minute episodes sometimes now.
3: I think it's good that they are able to have that flexibility. Um, I don't think running time felt like an issue on any episode in season two here. Mm-hmm. You know, the episodes that were short felt perfect as they were, and the couple episodes that were closer to forty-eight or forty-nine minutes also they didn't feel bloated or anything like that.
2: You know, they made the decision this year to release it all in one go. Mm -hmm. I've watched them all. (laughs) It's two days out from release now. Uh, How about you?
3: Yeah, I've also, I watched the whole season pretty quick, and then uh, I watched the first two episodes again in preparation Mm -hmm. for this, so um, I'll definitely be giving a full second watch to the season, uh, you know, following along and whatnot with you, but uh, I, I... I prefer the week by week myself. Yeah. uh, Because it does give you the ability to enjoy an episode, to think on an episode. And, but in this day and age, when something drops all at once so quickly, you need to watch everything as quickly as you can because of how quickly spoilers get out there. Yeah. So it's kind of frustrating that we're at that point where people can't hold their tongues online. But I was messaging back and forth with a friend with our friend, Zach Moore. And he's like entertainment weekly spoiled this. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, well I didn't see that yet. He he figured I'd, I'd seen the episode already and it turned out I hadn't. Oh. So he spoiled it for me.
2: Yeah. It was actually something I think CBS put out as publicity. And I think it was a very strange thing to put out as publicity I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much in case people are spacing out the episodes and they haven't come to it yet, but it seems to be like the big reveal of the season in a way, and and they just put it out there like that. People who've
3: seen it already know what we're talking about, Mm. and people who are taking their time, people generally would watch these in order right? Even though you don't have to watch them in any particular order, they're probably going to watch them episodes one through 10. I mean, it's not like some podcaster is going to go and and do the second episode of the first season as their first
2: podcast, right, Tom? (laughs) That would just be ridiculous. Who would ever do that? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Well, um, let's get into our first story then. This one is called Meet in the Middle, first broadcast on June 25th or whenever you decided to stream it, written by (laughs) Emily Chang and Sarah Amini and directed by Matthias Handel. Now, interestingly, Emily Chang and Sarah Amini are both actors and they are the women that the main character uh, goes on the dates with in the episode. So that was a nice little touch.
3: Cool. That's interesting. I didn't know that.
2: Man, there's a lot to get into this episode, I think, because throughout it, I mean, this is the Twilight Zone, so I think part of our mind is always in that second guessing mode where we're like Mm -hmm. trying to guess what's the twist, what's it about, what's the subtext and so on, and throughout this, I kept changing my mind as to what I thought the episode was actually about, and I mean that in a good Mm -hmm. way so how how was this journey for you man
3: i really enjoyed this episode a lot and and like you i was having a tough time guessing where this was going because the tones of this episode change like three or four times like you Mm. go from this this weird mystery to this romantic thing to this comedy to this really dark end and it's like wow like this is a kind of a roller coaster ride And I really, really loved it Mm -hmm. a lot because of those tone shifts. I mean, when he, one of the coolest tone changes for me in this episode was when he decides that they're going to meet and we've got this fun little montage of him getting ready and there's this upbeat music going on, you know, like it's, so it was really, really cool. I really liked it a lot because it kind of kept you on your toes and kept you, it kept you guessing the whole time, which is really great.
2: We'll get into the ending as a, as a kind of topic in itself, but at the beginning of the journey it very much felt to me like a story about online connections you know but they Mm -hmm. were taking the the internet out of it and that the connection was just between them mentally but I suppose it does speak to us in this modern world where you know how many private conversations on you know, Instagram or Facebook or or Twitter are going on with with people who might not have actually met each other but have, for one reason or another, developed some kind of bond. So that was kind of what it seemed to be about for me at first, you know. And what's it saying about that? Is it saying, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And I don't really think it shows its hand early on as, as to whether it's making a judgment on that, but it very much seemed to be about internet connections to me. What do you think?
3: Yeah, it definitely is about that. I mean, aside from the fact that the first date that he's on, you know, they met online clearly because he's, you know, judging her, oh, I thought your profile Mm -hmm. picture showed your hair like this. Um, I mean, in full honesty, like my wife and I met through an online dating service, Mm -hmm. right? And we were married, we had a good time. I had a few dates before, her that didn't turn out too well. And I mean, but that's just dating in general, I think. Yeah. Um. So from my point of view, online dating isn't a bad thing because it worked out pretty okay for me, I think, right? So, but uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, you get this character who's got this mental connection with somebody that he's never met and there's your Twilight Zone twist. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting because you don't need an explanation for why mm. he's doing this and why they have this. Because it doesn't matter what has connected them. And that's, that's what is online. I mean, we're in social media and I don't know how many conversations I've suddenly struck up with somebody online because of Star Trek, Uh right? And, you know, fans that I've met and friends that I've met, and then we go out and meet up at a convention or whatever. Um, But yeah, it's just something connects you to that person Mm -hmm. and you can find a connection and, and you get to know somebody based on some kind of mutual like,
2: That's the thing. It's such a, I suppose like everything in life, there are the two extremes of it. I mean, you and I have never actually met, but I would consider you to be a good friend and and that's from the conversations we've had and so on. But we speak face to face more or less on Mm -hmm. Zoom or whatever. I, I think there's probably a lot of connections going on where people haven't even had that kind of face-to-face connection and it's all through text and and messaging and so Mm -hmm. on and that's where I think the first tonal shift came for me because you know when we find that she's married and so on it's almost like how people online are only revealing what they want other people to see Mm -hmm. so that that was very very present for me as well
3: yeah, that's a very good comparison to what happens in the real life because a lot of people do filter so that their online presence is only positive things. Mm-hmm. You know, there are there are people who, you know, they, they might reach out for help or something like that online, I'm having a bad day, but for the most part when it comes to pictures and stuff like this you know, and that kind of information, it is only positive stuff that they reveal online. So a lot of people get this impression that their life is, oh, so much better because they're always happy, Uh you know? And, you know, this is very, very interesting to see this type of thing going on in this episode because she, she asks him flat out, don't go look at my profile. And, you know, I've got, I've got information or I got theories as to why she said that later on. Right. But, but, um, because they didn't technically meet online, but uh, yeah, it is is, uh, quite the metaphor for society nowadays and social media interaction.
2: And I guess selling it throughout is Jimmy Simpson uh, as Phil Hayes, who I think did a really great performance here because he's got to carry this thing on his shoulders, Mm -hmm. you know, he's got to sit in the cafe, he's got to really give this performance without any vanity because sometimes he looks stupid he's, he's kind of just sitting there laughing him laughing to himself and mm-hmm. uh, so i thought he was really great
3: it would have been interesting to know how they recorded that like when they when mm. they did the audio for it was was the director offline saying the lines was the voice actress there because you know they had to go in obviously after the fact and do some ADR recording to do the yeah. the telepathic communication. Did they do that in the same room together to try and help get that connection and that that they were feeling because that might have been very tough to try and have these you know these 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 intimate moments and these happy moments that are going on in their mind and just do it one line at a time. I think yeah. that would have been a very challenging thing. So I'd like to know how they how they did that behind the scenes.
2: That's a good point, because I I think his reactions seem to be so dead on. So like when she'll say something and he'll react to it in a particular way. So I guess someone must have been there, whether it was actually Gillian Jacobs or not. Yeah, it'd be interesting to know. Again, another kind of tonal shift for me is when they decide to... uh, Right, we're not going to speak anymore. There's a moment where... He, he just tries to kind of blow it off really and just be like, oh, have you seen this trailer for like Dead Stick 2 or, or some made-up movie? And she doesn't answer. So he's like, I get it. You're married. You don't have to be such a bitch, you know? And, and, and this other kind of side term comes out. So then I'm starting to think, is this really some cautionary tale about these online relationships even more so? And the way that people can be so entitled you know it kind of reminded me of uh working with a colleague and and i saw her like look at her phone one day and clearly distressed i'm like what's wrong and she says it's this guy i barely know him you know he's a friend of a friend and he's been messaging me and basically he'd he'd propositioned her you know, by message, and she said, "No, you know, no, thank you, I'm not interested, and then he's like, you know, you effing lesbian, and and just starts to abuse her, you know, like he was entitled to her, and I suppose that's kind of going into not all men territory as well from the last season, so again, when this moment happened in this episode, it's like, is it commenting on that, and, um, all these thoughts are going through my head throughout it, and I'm wondering, is it saying something or nothing about all these things? Am I just overthinking it? I don't know
3: i I had some thoughts on this one too, because like if we pause if we pause this episode and we look at it like scene by scene and we and we take the ending out of this mm. so if we take the twist ending out of this and you take this situation um. Based on what we see in the episode, like, is his, is his reaction justified? Well, well, no, because that, that does get into that stereotype of the, you know, the angry, the angry man that gets rejected by a woman. Mm-hmm. um, And I, I would think that the situation is different with your friend because, you know, she's like, he's a friend of a friend that I don't know. He's propositioning through here. She said no, mm-hmm. but in the situation of the episode that we're watching, Like she did keep something from him and it's, and they were having an intimate connection. Yeah. And he was leading towards understanding one thing. But again, that is information that she kept from him. So like, I'm kind of torn on this one here because while it's like, okay, if if we just look at the scene the way that it is and without the twist, it's like, well, she just wanted to be a friend with the guy and all of a sudden it's getting to be more. Mm Mm-hmm. Then they just misunderstood the situation, but based on the way that they were talking with each other and then knowing how the end turns out, well, no, it, it does kind of feel like she's feeling that connection too, mm-hmm. right? And so it, it's not illogical for this guy to think that this is a relationship and a connection where they may meet each other, Yeah, you yeah. know? So I don't want to say that she's leading him on, but I mean, like when you get to the end of the episode, she is leading him on, right? So... Mm-hmm. It is very it's very tough to try and analyze this the way that it goes and and like look at it this way when we know what the ending is,
2: and I think because Jimmy Simpson he plays it really well, but I almost think there's a there's an element of him that is maybe a little scuzzy or certainly unpredictable mm-hmm. if he goes off in one direction, if he ends up well, he does end up killing someone, but you know. Mm-hmm. If this went down a really dark path and he turned into like a a proper stalker, it wouldn't have surprised me because I think he very much plays it on the edge, you know, that he could really go either way.
3: And I mean, when he's in counseling at the beginning, she's like, like, you know that there's something off about this guy right at the beginning because he makes such a big deal about her hair. Mm. in the first date that he's in yeah. right and he's telling his psychiatrist about this oh she was so boring and it wasn't going anywhere and her hair was wrong like so like so yes this guy definitely has problems
4: mm-hmm.
3: right and so one story of this guy's life is yes this guy's got a whole lot of issues in his life and what you're saying where he could turn into this angry stalker type individual i could totally see this guy doing that yeah right because his psychi- his psychologist is like, you know, it's okay to have high standards, but remember, life is not a romantic comedy and nothing ever works out perfectly. You know, you're not going to find the perfect woman because the perfect woman doesn't exist and uh-huh. the perfect man doesn't exist, right? I mean, and that goes back to seeing people's lives filtered online yeah. fil- because they are only showing the positive things. So people are giving that impression that they've got this perfect life.
2: I also think... That is kind of setting up the ending, too, that there's a certain amount of projection with this guy. Look, your picture said you had straight hair and you've got curly hair, which is just something you would never say on a first date unless, you you, yeah. you know, normal social boundaries, in quotations, just don't seem to apply to this guy. He's He's clearly a flawed individual. He's got some issues. And I think that really plays into the end, which we'll get to in a minute, but... Let's talk about where things really start to ramp up. They decide to meet, and mm-hmm. he's starting to make the trip. And there's, man, even on a second watch, knowing how it ends up, the beats of this story still get to me. You know, when mm-hmm. when they're finding the connection, I'm still happy for them. Yep. You know, when things become a little dubious, I'm there as well. And I think that's real credit to the episode that it was just done so well. And then when they're on the train, things take a whole other turn, don't they?
3: The first watch, I don't know if you thought this or not, but the first watch when he sits down at the table Mm. and the woman comes up to him and is like, can I sit here? He's like, no, it's taken. I was actually expecting that to be her, right? And when and when she's like, oh, there's this creepy guy looking at me like he had this creepy look on his face. So I expected it to be her on the train with him looking at her. And then it might have turned into this thing of like the way he was judging the woman at the beginning was going to be the way that she was judging him at the end or something. But I'm glad it didn't turn out that way. But that was something that I was thinking of when that scene was playing out on the train.
2: I don't know if you thought that or not. I definitely did. I mean, because again, your second guessing twists and so on, I thought, right, the woman he's seen online, maybe she's not the right Annie and she looks completely yeah. different. You know, we know what Jillian Jacobs looks like from another TV work, but it doesn't mean that they're going to go with that in the episode. It might be a completely different woman.
3: See, and I don't know who this actress is. Like I, this ah, is the, okay. I don't recognize her. Right. So that it could have been anything to me. So, yeah.
2: I thought they were going to go somewhere with that as well, but they didn't, and I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. But man, it really ratchets up the tension at the end, and I really enjoyed this this final stretch because, again, my mind was just going through what's going to happen here. Did you at any point guess the ending?
3: The moment I guessed the ending was when he said in his mind, did he have a beard? And she's like, yes, and a plaid shirt, or whatever Mm -hmm. she said. I'm like, that's her husband, right? So... However, after he kills him and that kid calls out daddy, I was like, holy crap. I did not like, I didn't expect that. And that was a wonderful, wonderful twist. Uh-huh. And so I, you know, I, I'm going to say, so I've been watching the, I watched season one of the Twilight Zone with Aubrey. I didn't show her not all men because I thought it was like a little too violent and a little bit too mature of like topic and subject matter. Cause I mean, like right now she's, she's going to be 10 in about a week and a bit. Right. Mm. And so the, the one episode in this season that I'm questioning whether or not I'm going to show her just because of the subject matter is the, the one of the, the girls in the Catholic school and just because of the discussions that they have and the topics that they talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one I watch and I'm like, okay, this isn't that bad because they kill the guy off screen. Right. And it's not really that gory or anything like that. I'm like, okay, yeah, they have a, they have some swear words and stuff like that. We've, we've kind of come to terms with swear words being in, in modern shows. But when that kid calls out daddy, it really affected her. And she was like, she broke down crying. Cause she's oh. like, you know, she's like, she, she figured at that point she didn't see the twist and she figures this was the guy that kidnapped the, the woman, uh-huh. but she's like, I didn't, I don't like that. He was a daddy. And I'm like, I know what a crazy twist. <laughs> right. So
2: Let's talk about this twist then. So Phil goes to the house Mm -hmm. and he's kind of been led there by her in a way. She says, I've been kidnapped by this guy Mm -hmm. with a plaid shirt and a beard. So he knocks on the door. A guy with a plaid shirt and a beard opens it. Uh, So he thinks she's been kidnapped and he ends up killing the guy. And and I think the escalation was done really well to make Mm -hmm. this believably something that would happen, because I think if it wasn't, then that, it would have been a tough sell, but I think they did, did a yep. really good job of getting to that place. So I'm not really reading reviews online, to be honest. I, I kind of like to come to, to these discussions fresh. Something that has cropped up, though, uh, in, in just various discussions and, and things I've heard from other people, is that, okay, she basically sets him up to kill her husband. Yeah. Now if we accept that the Twilight Zone is a a force or a place or a whatever it is that sometimes nudges things in a certain direction, then the Twilight Zone has given each of these this connection and has basically enabled her to murder her husband through a flawed but innocent man. Mm -hmm. If we think of, you know, the cosmic justice of the Twilight Zone, there is often this deserving element where someone deserves the fate they get. So why does he deserve this fate? What do you think about this, man?
3: Uh, Okay, so it's not that he, he doesn't deserve this fate for sure. So my... Not all Twilight Zones are like that, though, And I think Mm -hmm. that you would agree with that because like my favorite episode of the original series is, um, what's the, why am I can't remember the name right now? The one with the, where the, it's getting really, really hot.
2: The Midnight Sun.
3: Midnight Sun. Thank you. So like that's, that's just a dream. Like no one, there's no cosmic justice there. Nobody deserves anything. She's just got a fever dream that's going on, you know? And so, but this one here and a lot of the episodes in this season, really felt like Black Mirror episodes because of like technology that was involved and things like that. And it's the comment on technology itself. Mm. There was a lot of that in this season, not all of them, but a lot of them. So I, I think it's really a thin line between like does this qualify as a twilight zone? How does this fit with a twilight zone mentality? And I couldn't think of any original series twilight zone episodes or even like in the eighties or whatever, where there's this type of feel at the end or this type of twist at the end. Uh-huh. So it's tough. Does this guy deserve it? No. Cause he's just socially awkward and, uh, at the beginning and a little too judgmental and a little self-centered, but yeah, I mean, like, so is the is the nudge of the Twilight Zone where these people are actually supposed to be together? Well, no, because at the end of the episode, she didn't really want to be with him. Mm-hmm. She just, she took advantage of a situation. So why did the Twilight Zone put them together? I don't know. Tough call. Tough question.
2: I think this is a theme with this season that there is a certain element of unpacking, and I don't always get it on the first watch. I found that to be a good thing because episodes that I thought were okay on the first watch, I've grew to really like on the second watch and episodes that I Mm -hmm. really liked on the first, I've grown to really love. And there is an element of unpacking in this one. I don't know if I can really apply that element of deserving either. I mean, one of the most famous Twilight Zones is Time Enough At Last. And mm-hmm. here's a guy who just wants to sit and read and ultimately mm-hmm. his fate is that yep. he's in a world of books and his glasses break and he can't read anymore. And that's the only thing that we, would give him pleasure in this in this barren world. And mm-hmm. I wonder whether the glasses breaking in this when he finds the broken glasses, is that an indicator of that kind of thing? You know, is that a clue that this is kind of something that it's saying that as well, the you know, the the original uh, Time Enough at Last, when I say the original <laughs> this isn't a remake of that but Time Enough right. at Last when you think about it isn't the Twilight Zone nudging things a particular way, it's almost like the Twilight Zone just bearing witness to something because if you think about it, there's no Twilight Zone magic in that, he just lives in a world where the H-Bond drops, you know mm-hmm. So I'm kind of going around the houses a bit here, but
3: it is a very good comparison actually for for an n resolution because this is something that happened to this guy that he didn't ask for. He was looking for one thing in his life, whether it's books or whether it's a, a romantic life, romantic partner. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both socially awkward people, right? And yeah. you know and yeah, it's it, that's actually a very good comparable episode. I could say then, yeah, this is definitely very Twilight zone then. It doesn't have to be necessarily Black Mirror. So,
2: mm-hmm. so yeah, I'm not I'm not sure I completely unpacked it because she does say at the end, you know, you, you projected what you wanted me to be onto this mm-hmm. conversation, which I don't think was entirely fair because she was a full participant in that, yep. you know. There's a part of me that kind of thinks that would this be better if the twist was that actually he'd just seen this woman online and he had projected all of this, you know, and and it cuts off when he's in the car and he's like, I've thought of all this, you know, it's me. It wasn't even about her. It's all just me. Mm-hmm. And, the, mm-hmm. you know, they might have had to see the couple of things differently throughout it for him to actually get there. But, you know, I'm I'm kind of juggling with that still, but I think it's okay that I'm juggling with that, you know?
3: Yeah, that would have been an interesting end if that's how it ended and and it was something that he that she never even asked for and stuff and he was able to just kind of connect those dots in his head on his own. Um I mean, I still love this episode. I still think it's fantastic.
5: Mm-hmm.
3: Um I was expecting then so once he killed her or once he once he killed him, I was expecting her to be like, "Now we can be happily together now that you've killed my husband for me." But again, when the daughter came out, that took another twist that took it in a whole nother direction so
2: now I'm not really one to do ratings and so on but our resident statistician I managed to say the word um Harold Clark is kind of keeping tabs on things now if we score it out of 10 what what do you think you would give it now for me everyone's different but for me a, a five point episode would be it's okay If it's in the seven or eight region, then it's a really good episode, I I really enjoy it. Whereas a nine and 10 is like, this is a classic, instant classic. I love everything about it, I've got no complaints. But that's just me, you know, you you do what you do. If you had to score this one out of 10, what would you say?
3: Well, see, that's tough, because I get mocked often by my (laughs) guests on Franchise Fatigue who come on for Planet of the Ips episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I,
2: Little joke there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I, uh, I see, I rate differently. Like, like, when I rate stuff, I've kind of realized this because I do get made fun of, of how, I, how I rate movies and stuff, and I tend to rate high. And when I rate something, I'm like, if I watch an episode and I'm like, it's it's fine, it's it's all based on my enjoyment. It has nothing to do with how it was made. It, it has nothing to do with editing or special effects or anything like that. If I'm like, man, that was great. I really enjoyed that movie. Then I'll just give it a five out of five. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, to me, you're splitting hairs at that point. And I just I just want enjoyment out of my entertainment. You know. Yeah. So like, if if I I can't think of any flaws in. In the story, like it's, it's maybe not the ending that we wanted or whatever, but it was still a really good ending. Um, but I mean, I, I would probably give this a nine or a 10 out of 10, like, you know, and I mean, if I'm giving it nine, that's four and a half. And on franchise fatigue, I don't give half stars anymore, Uh but I wouldn't rate this a four out of five. Okay, Because I thought it was really good and really enjoyable. The The direction was great. The acting was great. The story was captivating. It kept me guessing the whole time, mm-hmm. right? I didn't guess until right at the end what the twist was going to be. And then there was still another surprise twist for me. Yeah, I mean, like, I would probably give this a 10 because it was really, really good, and I really enjoyed it.
2: Oh, good, good. I'm glad to hear that, man. I'm glad to hear it. You know, I... I really enjoyed it too. And the thing is, I even enjoyed it more the second time when I knew what the twist Mm -hmm. was. And like I said, it seems to be the case with this season that there's a richness to it, that when I do watch them again, I'm getting even more out of it. And there's some that I haven't watched the second time yet that I'm really looking forward to watching the second time. Mm -hmm. This one, I would go with a, a strong eight, which I think is a really good score still because I I thought it was a great episode and I I really enjoyed it so I'm going to go 8 on this one and uh, you know and it was one I'm really happy with
3: I give this 12
2: i thought you were going to go with nine and a half or something i was i was going to end the call (laughs) okay
3: no yeah this was this was really good and 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 absolutely like you said watching it a second time it it really held up and nothing Mm -hmm. nothing detracted from it and you know it was it was wonderful it was a very very good good
2: experience i loved it okay so our second episode is called downtime and it was written by jordan peele so quite Long-awaited. Bit of pressure on Jordan Peele on this one to deliver, I think. <laughs> and um, directed by J.D. Dillard. Now, some people kind of were, were saying about the first season, why didn't he write one? You know, and I guess that's down to him why he didn't write one. He might have been working on one of his movies or something. I don't know. Um, maybe the timing wasn't right, but he, he's came to the season and, he, and he's wrote one. Were you looking forward to this one? Or did you even know that he'd written this one?
3: I, I did catch that his name was there. I don't think I caught that he didn't write one for the first season. Mm. So, I mean, like, I, I, I don't know Jordan Peele. I've, I've seen Get Out, but I mean, mm-hmm. like, I don't know his other work, honestly. I know who he is. I hear Us is fantastic. Um, uh-huh. I don't know Keenan and Peele. Is that right?
2: Kean Peel, Peele. Uh-huh
3: key and peel i don't know that show so i don't know his work outside of this uh, outside of the twilight zone and that's just me because i'm so caught up in star trek right so yeah but i don't know <laughs> so it, i wasn't really anticipating one way or the other so
2: are you a gamer at all brandon do you play video games
3: no, there was a little... Like, when I was a kid, we had a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo, and I loved that. And I bought a PlayStation 3 and got kind of caught up in Call of Duty for a while. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I haven't... I don't play video games. Uh, and then, of course, I got sucked into Farmville when when I started on Facebook. But, you know, that's a whole other thing.
2: <laughs> I don't think we can really talk about this one without knowing the twist. I mean, it's almost not even a twist, really.
3: Because they tell you right early on what's yeah. going on. And I like that because, you know, it, it, it is interesting. I mean, there's an episode of Voyager that I really like. Um, I think it's called Meld in mm-hmm. season two, where there's this murder on board the on Voyager and Tuvok starts investigating. So you're watching this episode and you're like, oh, it's a murder investigation. It's a whodunit. Yeah. But at the end of like the first act, you know who the murderer is. And mm-hmm. it turns out to be this really interesting you know, psychological piece of Tuvok mind-melding with this guy to try and figure out why he did it. And so it takes the episode in a completely different direction. And this one was kind of nice, too, because we learned pretty quickly on that this was a video game that they were in, and it's like, what happens now that this person doesn't remember about their real life like my my, you know again i watch this with aubrey and we watch this again and you know so this is kind of uh this is kind of like the matrix which she just watched the first one of right so we've got almost like a matrix-like experience here except that they know that this isn't the real world
2: there's been so many stories movies books whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call that that use this premise i mean red dwarf like a british comedy show done an episode about this like decades ago like 20 or more years ago so it's well trodden ground i suppose the the thing is how unique a spin can you put on it and i think Mm -hmm. what's possibly unique about this one is that we now live in a world where the reason i asked you about gaming is that games now exist where you might not be sitting there with your headset on you might not be consciously believing you're in it But there are a lot of games where you're living a second life, if you like. Mm -hmm. Now, I I play games from time to time. I'm not pretty hardcore on it, but I have been sucked into games where you are essentially living a a separate life. And I have got to the point sometimes, like there's a game called Fallout 76, where you're living in an apocalyptic wasteland. Mm -hmm. And you will sit there and you will play for two hours collecting bits of junk and bits of scrap so you can build something or you know and and i have got to the point sometimes where i'm thinking am i just wasting my life here i've just spent two hours looking for junk on a video game to make something that doesn't exist you know so it's Mm. it it's a really interesting kind of place to get into but i think what this is more talking about because can you imagine playing a game where you still go to work and you still do a job
3: Aren't the sim games like that? Like, like my understanding of some of these sim life games is that's, that's kind of what you do there too. I mean, like, yes, you don't have a headset on, but it's like, I build a house, I get a wife, I have kids in these games and Mm -hmm. I just live another life. And the, the interesting twist of this episode is that the, the person we find out in the end ends up committing suicide while they're logged in. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what's an interesting twist, because that's the that's the commentary that this person's life outside of this reality was so bad that they felt they had to take a way out Mm -hmm. because their life in their game was so much better. And it's like, you know, the interesting thing is that like there's one rule and that's stay in character, stay in character, stay in character. And they keep saying that. Right. So but but when you log in, you can do whatever you want. You can have a random character picked for you or you can build your own character. So like it, it opens up questions as to, is it the same, is the world the same every day or, you know, he's logged into this woman this time, you know, the husband was logged in this time, but was the husband a different person yesterday Right. Right. Did somebody else log in as the husband yesterday, but they got to stay in the character of this husband. Right. Uh But so this person probably has logged in as this hotel worker constantly, and they enjoy working at a hotel. Right. So they're, they're loving it. They're loving the, uh, the customer service issue. They're loving working for this company. They're loving interacting with people and whatnot. And so I get the impression that this is a character that he goes to frequently. Mm. I don't know if you got that impression or not. So it it it's it is an interesting taken in that he commits a suicide so that he can stay in this world forever. So and they've never had to deal with that before.
2: It was my impression that he he was permanently in this this person that he created, Michelle, played by uh Morena Baccarin. This avatar. Yeah. Another detail as well is often these stories you've got someone sitting at home plugged into this thing uh like playing the game but this one what it allows you to do is have a second life while you're sleeping so your body is resting but you're almost living a a separate life and i found that to be a really fascinating angle on it that that did differentiate it a little bit in that Mm. you don't come home from work and plug into this thing and sit there for two hours doing another job you are essentially having two lives. And I thought that was mm-hmm. a, a fascinating way to look at it. You know, you mentioned The Sims, and that's where I kind of draw the line with gaming. It's like, why would I want to do that? You know? Whereas if I can, if I play one of these second life games where I am in an apocalyptic wasteland or I'm a superhero or whatever, then at least there's a bit of justification there for me. This one's interesting in that, you know, would you really do this? Would you? really live a second life in this way well i suppose that depends on what your first life is like isn't it and how Mm -hmm. successful you feel and and what you wish that was so i can kind of see why someone would do it how about you
3: well did you get the impression that so the i'm sorry you gotta help me with the name so what's the guy's name in real life the guy that dies jp farmingham or something like that
2: something like that i can't remember
3: I'm bad with names, as people know from my podcast. So the real-life male person who Mm -hmm. has the fake life of being this hotel manager, his real-life wife comes into the game. Yeah. And I got the impression from this real-life wife that she does not like this game. She's not into it. This is something Mm -hmm. that, that he does while they're sleeping, right, and whatnot, but she's like, I'm not on board for this at all. People plug into this, they don't know what's going on, they don't even know how this thing works, so I got the impression from this character that she's not a normal participant of this game. What did you get on that?
2: Yeah, yeah, and I think what I kind of, we don't really know much about the, the guy who becomes Michelle, and I think from the wife's reaction, I kind of extrapolated from it that, this was an escape for him, this game, and that's what she resented about it a little bit. That yeah. Why do you want to escape from your real life so much? I'm your wife, you know? So I think that was good that she was there because it, it. he's obviously got problems. If he's taken a load of drugs before he plugged into the game so he would die while he was playing it, then clearly his, his day life isn't that great, you know?
3: It is kind of interesting, too, that he has this heart attack and dies while he's in the game. So another question that I had to ask about this one then is, do you think that prior to the heart attack, that like I this is where I, I assume the line is drawn, prior to the heart attack that she has in the coffee shop or whatever, yeah. she knew that it was a game, and then when her real-life body died is when she no longer knew it was a game.
2: Yes, that's a good point. And that's where the second view... and I mean, I'll tell you this now, when I... When I first watched it, I was like, it's okay. You know, it's all yeah. right. Virtual reality, etc., etc. It's fine. It was when I watched it a second time that I really grew to love this one mm-hmm. because if you watch, she has that conversation with her boss early on. Yeah. And she says, okay, I'm going to be the hotel manager from now on, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, so what are you going to do now? And he says, well, mm-hmm. you know, I might become a CEO or a rock star. And mm-hmm. you think that's in jest because that's the kind yep. of thing w- that someone would say, but he's actually telling the truth. He might just move yep. on to a different life where he's a rock star. So there's a there's a lot of detail seeded throughout it that really pay off on a second view and um, that you don't notice. And the timing of the heart attack is one of those things because it is coincidentally there maybe coincidentally i'm not too sure when the orb appears in the sky Mm -hmm. so so you think that it's being brought on by the orb but it's not yep yep so yeah i i do think that beforehand she knew she was in the game and then afterwards when the the guy is cut off because he's had the heart attack and took all the drugs that's when she forgets you know
3: yeah i agree with you 100 percent on that read. Cause yeah, totally. Everything you've just said is like on a second watch, that conversation with the boss, because he's, he's tired of this job and he's looking at her like, why do you want to be this manager job? This is boring. I'm leaving this job. Fine. You want it? Take it. Like, uh-huh. you know, it's really, it is interesting because that's the second time you get that impression. He thinks she's, she's crazy for wanting to do this because she has invested so much into this. And yeah. you know, maybe he's been this manager for 10 times, one time, six times, a hundred times. We don't know Uh because we've got that thing that's been seeded in that you can randomly pick a character. If you want, you can have it randomly assigned to you. And I, I don't know. I think that's really, really cool. And I think that's it. I think that's what makes this a good twist. How does this make it unique? Well, this is how it makes it unique. Right, in that you've got these abilities to choose who you want to be, and it gives you lots of questions as to what's what what's the motivation behind some of these characters, you know. Uh-huh. And it's so it, 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 the timing of that is well written because everybody looking up at the sky at the orb like it's pretty creepy, right? Mm-hmm. And until you know what's going on, like which you do find out early again. That's I think that's a good twist in the episode to know right away that it is a video game experience, but up, even those few moments where you're trying to guess what is going on in this episode, it's mm-hmm. wonderfully creepy. The overhead shots of people just standing there, even afterwards, right? When, they, when they're when they showing those overhead shots throughout the episode of yeah. people just standing there are still really sufficiently creepy to be looking at.
2: And again, you're, you're absolutely right. It's something that I didn't get, really get on a first watch. Mm-hmm like the husband in the house when he starts to talk in a different accent, I thought he, he must be glitching. You know, he's he's a glitchy character in the game. But what he was actually doing was, it was someone breaking character. You know, oh, it's right. downtime. Okay, well, you know, let's go and do downtime then. And then she goes over to the cop in the street and she's like, you know, what are we doing? What, what do we do? And the, the police officer says, we just wake up. So mm. you realize that all these people... It's like when you turn your PlayStation off, you know? Mm-hmm. You get on with your life then, and all these people standing there, it's because they wake up, so their avatar in the game just stands there while the game gets upgraded. So just really cool little details like that. And, and another one I liked is that all the, the kind of customer service mm-hmm. were just like these street kids who you wouldn't give a, a second glance to who just zip past you on their skateboards but they're the customer service and they must just be milling around, checking everything's okay, just blending into the background. But
3: it is also interesting too that her job and how much she loves is customer service. And we get that scene at the beginning where she's like, you got to be reasonable. And when they're unreasonable, you got to be extra reasonable. And yeah. then she's almost the unreasonable person that these customer service people are having to deal with, right? So, uh-huh. you know, it, it there's that flip of, Her point of view gets twist, uh, has a twist on it, you know, and that guy at the end where, where he's like, I am so sorry that about this inconvenience, you know, and like, these are the things that she said at the very beginning of the episode as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, I love that twist. I love that, that twisting of her point of view.
2: And that tech support guy at the end, his name was Tom. Now, I'm taking that as a Twilight Zone podcast reference. Sure, no one, let's do it. No one can dissuade me of that. Um, okay, but... Um, hey, Jordan, you're listening. We, we now know you're listening. <laughs> Thank you, man. Um, okay, so the twist is at the end, um, she finds out that actually she's took taken a, a cocktail of pills uh, before she plugged into the game, and she has, or he, has passed away. Um, during the game because we kind of know what's going on throughout it, i found that it's really the final seconds where i i really find out what this episode is all about do you know what i mean it, it was kind of literally when jordan on his closing narration and she finds that her wife has came in and is staying at the hotel it was almost that was like the penny drops moment for me. Do you know what I mean? Where it was like, yeah, I'm enjoying this. But then it was like, wow, okay. I, I now mm-hmm. kind of get this episode. What about you?
3: Well, I'd like you to explain that then. Because my point of view on that final scene... So we talked about this at Nightmare at 30,000 Feet. Where it's like, okay, I think they should have just truncated the end a bit. Mm-hmm. And even after what we were just discussing on the first episode, Meet Me in the Middle okay, we should have just truncated that end just a little bit, and I think it would have made it more powerful. I think that this episode would have been more powerful if when the countdown goes to zero, that's kind of when the episode would have ended in my point of view because it's okay. like what what happened to this character afterwards then because we don't always get an answer in the original twilight zone series as to and it's kind of left up to you well what do you think happened what's your interpretation as to what happened with this person's life and i like that i still think that tony soprano is just fine Right, like all these years <laughs> later and you know, because Tony's the luckiest guy on the planet, whatever happened in that cafe, Tony Soprano's fine because he's Tony Soprano. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know that other people don't like that. I've got my interpretations of what I think the ending of Lost means. Right. And these are these are conversations that you can have after time. So uh, and, and they can be interpreted in multiple ways. So tell me yeah. what you're thinking here.
2: I think what it did for me is that in a way, this this is another kind of Willoughby episode. You know, the, the subtitle of this season is Escape. And mm-hmm. he was escaping into this game because his, his life wasn't that happy anymore. And it, it reminded me of a couple of things. It reminded me of a story that I read last year sometime where there was a guy, I think he was wheelchair-bound, and he was a big player of World of Warcraft. And... He died. I'm not sure whether he took his own life or he died from from something else, but he had a massive friendship group online where he was this character in World of Warcraft who could walk. Obviously, there was this massive outpouring of uh, love for him after he passed away, and and like in character, people in character in the game held this big kind of procession for him, a, a gathering to celebrate his life in the game after he died. And they they would tell stories about him. He was a runner. He, he used to always run. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like in his real life, he couldn't do that. So in his game life, he did it. It was almost like a, an acceptance that fake as, as these environments are, there can still be these very human connections within them. So when the wife comes in, It was an acceptance that, well, you know, you've gone now and this is all that's left of you, so Mm -hmm. I'm going to come and spend that time with you as well. So, you know, I I don't like to refer back to the original too much because I'm quite happy for this Mm -hmm. to be its own thing. But in a way, this is Willoughby the next step, you know? This is him in Willoughby uh, once he's there all the time, you know? And it was her decision that I'm I'm going to come and join you there because you mean that much to me. So while the technicalities of the story throughout it were nice to discover, this is where the heart of it came in. And mm-hmm. that that's why I'm glad that they had this moment where she comes and says, I'm going to stay for a few weeks. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm quite happy about that.
3: See, to me, that just makes the end, like this whole episode reflection even sadder. So I got the impression that this woman wasn't a a, a supportive of the game. His wife Mm. wasn't supportive of the game. And she's like, you're my husband and I love you. And, you know, we have this question, why are you escaping to this reality? And then why did he think his life was so terrible that he took his own life, yet his wife didn't see that coming and she loves this man so much to the point that now she's going to join this game just so she can be around what's left of him. Mm -hmm. Right. So while we go in the last episode and it's like, people don't project what's going on in their life properly because they tend to only put positive online. I mean, Mm -hmm. this guy had a completely different point of view of his life than his wife did right? She's loving, she's probably thinking everything's okay. She loves this guy to, to the end of the world and back. And to, she loves him so much that she's now willing to be with him in the character to a person who doesn't even remember his original life. Because mm. she says that she's like, I don't remember anything. I mean, I guess I trust you because if you're fighting this hard for me, then I must be at least partially the guy that I was in real life right? Because I feel Mm -hmm. like me and you're loving me. So this, I must be close to who I originally was. Right? So I don't know, like to me, that's a very sad ending.
2: There is sadness in it, absolutely, because a guy died, you know. But I I think where I would disagree is that the thing is, we we don't know much about his, his life. And we can assume that because he had a beautiful wife who loved him and kids that, well, why can't you be happy with that? But we know that life isn't really just the case now. I don't suffer with depression i I know people who do and i I don't completely understand it. You can think, well, why are you so sad about stuff because you you've got a good job, you've got people who love you what's wrong? you know, without experiencing it, it it's not right to think that, but that's probably the immediate response uh, I guess so. So I think that just because he's got a wife who loves him I I think that's part and parcel of why she didn't like the game because she probably knows it was bad for him that maybe he should have been more present in his day-to-day life and try and solve what was what was wrong in his day-to-day life which might have just been simply that he suffered with depression or something you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so that's why she didn't like the game because it's like that's not solving the problem that's just giving you an escape Mm -hmm. but ultimately in the end he took that escape so all that she's really got left to do is is to come into the game with him so it is sad you know but on the other hand at least there is that i suppose Mm -hmm. and and that's what i liked about it you know Mm -hmm.
3: yeah it is a rich deep episode and yeah on first watch it can be just like it's just about this but a second rewatch has definitely added layers of complexity to this discussion and mm-hmm. and uh, yeah it was it was really good so yeah
2: oh, i love it <laughs> uh, your score is out of 10 on this one brandon
3: uh honestly same thing like again like i liked it on the first watch i loved it on the second and you know this is this is I don't know what, what's the term I'm looking for. This is hitting a home run, both Mm -hmm. episodes here for me, right out of the gate. And, um, I, I'm loving this season so far. Um, 10 out of 10 on this episode as well for me, because it's a blast and I I was kept questioning what's going on. There's so many subtle layers to this, you know, we, that one line of the, the Tom helper that I really liked, because we don't find out that he's dead yet in real life is Mm -hmm. when he's like, he's like don't worry the wife and kids have been taken care of we like cuz again we got this customer service issue where they've never experienced this before uh-huh. right they don't know maybe it is a fault of the game that something has happened so they got a they've got this whole legal thing that's just happened outside of the game where they're paying <laughs> paying off the wife and kids and whatnot they've got some kind of legal settlement that's just happened and i don't know yeah. it's just it's really really fascinating and gives you a lot to think about so 10 out of 10 for me
2: good good it's been a great journey with this episode for me. Like I said before, I watched it the first time and I was like, oh, it's okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Then I watched it again and it just became a richer experience. Then I've talked to you and we've talked it out and it's it's just become even better. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hedge my bets a little bit and go with a nine. <laughs> but I, I'm tempted to go with a 10, but I'll go with nine for now. I will probably, when we wrap up, Uh, the whole season maybe i'll reconsider that but it sits at a nine and i think a nine is a very respectable score so
3: can i uh can i give you can edit this out if you want to but can i give a minor spoiler for the next episode uh sure so I, i think that's my favorite episode of the season is the next one
2: which one was the next one again
3: so the next one is the um is it the who of you the who of you yeah
2: Okay, okay, Yeah,
3: The Who of You. I really love that one. So if you haven't seen it yet, I'll just leave it there that that's my favorite. You and I were texting earlier. You didn't have this one as your favorite. Um, But I think this one is definitely my favorite of of the season. I just really liked it. I thought it was really well done. But, you know, Tom, I'm loving this season. I've watched them all personally. I think season two has been better than season one, and I really enjoyed season one. Uh Um, there's only one episode that i that I think is kind of weak. And that's just because I don't like that kind of story. Right. Right. You know, that's just, it's just, that's just my personal preference for what type of stories I like. And I don't particularly like that one. And for me, that episode is ovation. Uh, the Mm -hmm. episode was still good but it's my least favorite of the season. But I, this is a really strong season. I'm looking forward to hearing what people have to say about this. Um, I'm looking forward to the next four weeks on this podcast because, um, I think there's a lot to discuss in these and I think they've done a really great job this season. I, I really love it. Bring on season three. You know, if we ever get out of COVID, let's get some more Twilight (laughs) Zone.
2: (laughs) Yeah, some Twilight Zone filmed on Zoom. Hopefully it's <laughs> not that. But you know, let let's hope so. Let's hope so. I'm I'm so glad you're enjoying it. I mean, I am too. I, I love the first season. I think they're right to to go with a little bit of a different track on it. Because mm-hmm. I think while I didn't disagree with any of the subject matter in it, the world is such a noisy place now, isn't it? Online. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on things like Twitter and it can become very overwhelming you know the, there's a lot of anger out there justified anger in a lot of ways but also people seem to get angry at everything i mm-hmm. i tend to try and shut the online world off a lot these days but i think because it was such an issues heavy season that can get a bit exhausting at times so i think they were right to maybe tone that down some in this one but i do think it mm-hmm. does get to some which we you know we'll we'll talk we'll talk about right
3: there there's a lot of there's a a lot of issues throughout these episodes that are modern day issues and it get Mm -hmm. and they're done in a way that it makes you think about the issues and i think for the people who were noisy last season complaining about oh you're just pandering sjw's and and blah 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 i i think that these are the kind of episodes that might be I don't know, better for them or whatnot, because the issues are a little bit more subtle and they make you think about them rather than Mm -hmm. just coming out and saying, this is our, this episode, right? So this is our episode on this. Cause like we, we talked about video games, like video game addiction and whatnot. They didn't just come out and say video game addiction is a problem. They're like, here's our episode on... This is basically an episode on video game addiction, right? Which is kind of an issue that's going on in our society. But they're not sitting there saying one way or the other that it's good or bad. You know? So uh, it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. And, and bravo to the team of the Twilight Zone Season 2. Very, very good.
2: Okay, now the way I'm going to structure the shows this year is that my guest and I will have a chat and then I will play out with the listener feedback. So... Some people really enjoy that, some don't. So there is that option to kind of cut the podcast off here. And if you are, then I hope you've enjoyed it and and I will speak to you next time. Now, if anyone wants to send in feedback for the next episode, then the deadline for that is going to be the 7th of July. So feedback for episodes three and four by the 7th of July, and email that over to tom at thetwilightzonepodcast.com. Now, I'm only going to put clips on. I'm not going to be reading out emails because this is just such a busy time. It just, unfortunately, it adds to my kind of workload, if you like, and it just takes longer. When, when the new show is coming out, I'm kind of stretched to my limits anyway, so I'm only putting clips in. So if you want to comment on episodes 3 and 4, one of them or both of them, then get your feedback in and the 7th of July in a, in a clip form. So Brandon, man, I always love to talk to you. I always love to podcast with you. I wish we could do it more. Move to Canada. Yeah, I would love to move to Canada. Uh, but we've done it <laughs> quite a lot lately and I and I always enjoy it. So where can people find you if they want to hear more of your stuff?
3: You can find me on Twitter, at Brandon Metella. You can find me on the United Federation of Podcast Network with a show called Fanchise Fatigue. Uh, On that show, frequent uh, guest host on the Twilight Zone podcast and contributor, Zach Moore. He and I uh, go through movies, remakes, and sequels. And uh, we've got coming up in a a few weeks, Tom, you're going to be on for some Planet of the Apes episodes. We've recorded our episodes on Planet of the Apes and Beneath the Planet of the Apes and tentatively, we got you coming on for the Tim Burton remake as well, because mm-hmm. um, we're covering those all of those next. Um, you can also find me on the Fandom Podcast Network, uh, as well as in our own feed with a show called Good Evening and Alfred Hitchcock Podcast, uh, which is all about uh, Alfred Hitchcock's films in chronological order. And uh, just new, actually, just new, coming out on the Nerd Party Network uh, at the very start of uh, July here. and We're going to be doing... Uh, House of Fincher, which is a Mm. chronological look at David Fincher's movies, uh, leading up to his Netflix release, Mank. John Mills and Tristan Riddell and I had a lot of fun with that podcast. And then you can find me all over the Trek FM network talking Star Trek. Thank you so much, Tom. This is great. I'm really glad that I was able to come on for the first two episodes. And even more, I'm really glad that the first two episodes were so good and gave us a, a lot of great things to talk about. Thank you so much. It's always a joy to
2: discuss with you as well in a podcast. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. You're always welcome back. Okay, so that is enough from me. So let's play out with some friends of the show and hear what they thought about episodes one and two of season two of the new Twilight Zone. Bye for now.
6: Hey, Tom and listeners, Zach Moore here with my thoughts on the first two episodes of season two of The Twilight Zone. Meet in the Middle, the first episode, loved it, loved it. Thought it was fantastic. Uh, using a a supernatural sci-fi twist on a lot of you know personal themes, right? I mean, you can you can relate to this guy, this this main character who's like you know going on dates, not finding a good connection, does find a good connection, uh, and then you you don't know where it's going to go. Like, I thought the episode could have ended a few ways. And the fact that you never see Jillian uh, Jacobs' character until the end works. You know, I mean, I, I figured there was going to be some kind of reveal or twist or something like that. You know, then they kind of subvert that with saying that she's married, and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's going to be the thing. But it turns out there's a lot more to it than that. Uh, and, and yet, you you can relate to this. It's almost like, like a supernatural version of... Well, it is. I mean, he, they talk about how he's been online dating, but like, Know, ghosting someone or not, or our bad breakup, and you and you can't talk to the person you used to be with. Like that, you, you feel those moments when when she cuts off the communication with them for a while. Yeah, it, it also it, this episode reminded me a lot of, of her, um, the the Joaquin Phoenix movie where Scarlett Johansson is the uh, uh, disembodied voice of, of of his operating system in the, in the not too distant future. Kind of like that one sided relationship, but but there is another person there, and you forget that because you never see Jillian Jacobs. But there's a reason for that. And I thought that was a that was a brilliant twist at the end. Because I thought, oh man, like where's this gonna go? Things are turning around. And I thought really they might end it with him finding her glasses there. Of course the the smashed glasses, uh, an homage to the Burgess Meredith's smashed glasses from Time Enough at last. I think that was a really cool Uh, way to do that because it's it has nothing to do with time enough at last but that that imagery is just so iconically twilight zone and and I'm pretty sure those are the same glasses so the kind of uh the look that Jillian Jacobs is going for in her in her Facebook photos I totally believe she would wear those kinds of glasses I mean those like a kind of a trendy hipster kind of glasses there so I buy those being her glasses but man I thought oh man is this gonna end right here but I'm like well that's kind of contrived somebody got her on the train and then you go to like oh, well, she's in this house, and oh, no, did he go to the wrong house, and oh, no, he went to the right house. Like, I don't know. Every reveal totally worked for me, and I thought, oh, man, are they going to leave it ambiguous at the end? Like, she's going to have, like, a, like we're going to zoom in on the house, and she's going to have, like, a wicked smile on her face. But I, I, I do like how it was revealed to the at the end uh, to Phil that he was played. And, and man, that, 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 that was a great episode uh, on a lot of levels. So I was very, very happy with how the season started off. Side note, Jillian Jacobs, she was... Sort of in a Twilight Zone because she was in a, uh, the movie The Box, uh, which is based off the short story by Richard Matheson, which was an episode of the 80s Twilight Zone. She starred in that with uh, James Marsters and Cameron Diaz and Frank Langella, and Jillian Jacobs was in it as well. So it wasn't that good of a movie, to be honest, but it was written by, <laughs> written by Richard Matheson. So anyway, off to a great start with Meet in the Middle. Loved it. Loved it. And uh, the next one, Downtime. I really love the concept, and I really love Marina Baccarin. I uh, loved her since her days on Firefly. Any uh, any good genre sci-fi fan will know. Shout out to uh, Serena Swan. Uh, she played Zatanna in a couple episodes on Smallville, uh, and she, she played the wife of the of the real character who Marina Baccarin was playing, who had that really weird, pretentious-sounding name. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. So I thought the setup was excellent, and, uh, and I love the, the stylized world they're continuing to show us. Uh, I, I can't remember if, you know, the first season was this kind of stylized. I know that uh, Point of Origin was, and that, that was one of my favorite episodes for its production design in season one. But it's it's a way to give the series, like, a, a visual identity while still having the anthology show. And it, it's kind of like that retro 50s. Not that everything is, like, the 50s, right? I mean, it wasn't point of origin but that was a parallel universe right but here like just the way people dress and certain cars and and the way rooms and the architecture and the decoration like it just it feels classy and timeless and that's such a great way to to bring that back from the twilight zone because the original show does feel so classy and timeless and uh, the hotel and all this stuff anyway i love the concept of this character who like she? She's a manager and deals with customers, but she's the ultimate like customer that got <laughs> screwed over. And I, the only thing, oh, Jordan Peele's introduction here so good, right? Where he's just in the crowd. Like I, I'm really liking the uh, the intros and outros from Jordan Peele here so far this season. And I don't know if the resolution was satisfying though, because like she, I mean, eventually they say, "Oh, you can stay." you Just the rules are you have to play along. And at the end, she's like, "What if I don't want to play?" But there's. There's no more to it, and I'm still not sure why that person chose to be her. I know the wife says like, "Oh, well, it makes sense. He chose to be you. You're powerful and in control, and maybe that guy wasn't." And uh, and and was it like a an intentional kind of suicide thing? Because he took a he took a sleeping pill and had a heart attack, and I'm not I'm not sure if it was an intentional, like he knew he was going to go out and he wanted to go out in the game, like just try one crazy thing before he died. So anyway, all things that will come back in a rewatch, I think. But, but I love the concept of this. And it was very Get Out, where they, uh, if anyone's seen Get Out, there, there's a big sci-fi concept they communicate through a television, and <laughs> like a host and all that. So it was very similar. And Jordan Peele uh, wrote this episode. But yeah, the in the I don't know, because like the wife comes and stays and it's like, oh, it's some kind of happy median. But I don't know, maybe I was looking for something a little bit more. I just thought, but, but anyway, I, I really did like the episode two for two so far on these first two episodes. I think, uh, again, love, love the stories, love the casts, love the production design so far. And, uh, yeah, two for two off to a great start and looking forward to the rest of the season.
7: Hi, Tom, Matt here from anthology podcast, a podcast where I watch and review the twilight zone as a first time viewer and cover other classic and contemporary sci-fi anthology shows. Um, I'm super excited for this season of the new Twilight Zone, and I'm very much looking forward to your coverage of it and other podcasts' uh, coverage of it. Um, Last year was so fun to just listen to your episodes and other podcasters' episodes and your listeners'. uh, Talk about it in in your episodes. So I'm very uh, excited to see what happens this season um, across all of Twilight's own podcasting world. <laughs> um, so I am going to share some quick thoughts about Meet in the Middle. Um, man, I really, really loved this episode. It is it's dark. Um, it is more character focused than. Almost any of the episodes last season. Like last season, there was a lot of uh, criticism about the every episode being about a topic and and about you know a specific social injustice and everything. Um, and while I did agree with the stance of the show on most, if not all, of those occasions, it did get really tired. Like uh just really got tired and, and um throughout the throughout the season. So when this episode when I watched this episode and realized like, oh, this is about these two people sharing a telepathic link, like it is Oh, it just, it floored me. Um, I loved it. I loved that there wasn't so such an e- emphasis on Easter eggs. The Easter egg with the glasses, though, I was floored by that. Like, I loved it. I thought that it was a very unique way to evoke Time Enough at Last, even though they just did that in the, in the last season finale. But it's just what I loved about it was that it is a reference to time enough at last, but is a completely different context. And I just, I really, really enjoyed that. The reveal at the end where she has been kind of playing him and leading him to murder her husband or rescue, quote unquote, rescue her is so dark and dreary. I'm very curious what Twilight Zone fans are going to feel about that. Um, Because it is, it is black mirror levels of, of dark. Um, And I feel like that was kind of a, a difference between Twilight Zone and, and Black Mirror is that Black Mirror was more harsh and severe, and this feels like it is very severe. I was all for it, though, so I'm very curious what what other Twilight Zone fans think about it. Um, and it's not like Twilight Zone is is unaccustomed to dark endings and everything. Um, Even this new iteration of the Twilight Zone, like the ending to... um, Oh, wow, I can't remember the name of the episode with uh, the kid president, but like that ending is very dark, um, too. So I really enjoyed it. It, it. The shift in tone from... Romantic comedy to romantic drama to just all-out thriller and almost horror was really well done, I thought. And I loved the acting. The voice acting was amazing. Really, I just, I really enjoyed this entire episode. And I think it really bodes well for the season to come if they can keep this energy up and everything. So I'm very excited about it. And, uh, yeah, I really, I really loved this episode. I'm excited to hear your thoughts and I'm excited to hear all everyone else's thoughts about it. So, yeah, those are my thoughts on Meet in the Middle. Uh, can't wait to hear your episode. And, uh, thank you so much again for doing this again. And, uh, keep up the great work and I'll talk to you
8: later.
4: Hi,
8: Tom. This is Zach from, um, uh, overseas. Um, My feedback is that I think episode one is more like a a psychological um, drama to figure out what the protagonist is all about, whether he is um, delusion or if he has some sort of telepathy, supernatural power, or if he is crazy, or if he's um, just contemplative. So it wasn't until the very end of the episode that we were able to figure out that he did have a, a telepathic um, connection with another uh, person, but she was using him for her own interests, and she had ulterior motives. She never wanted to meet with him. So when he finally met her, it was already when, she, when he was about to be uh, detained and, and handcuffed. And um, I just felt that there was no justice uh, for, for, the, for the female lead. She should have been... Uh, in trouble as well and she wasn't she got away with it. She conspired with this murder so to speak And she'll be away and get away from that murder. I just feel that um, that's wrong. And um, and there's no po- There's no sense of poetic justice in that episode
9: This is Richard I wanted to say that I am a big fan and I respect all of your work in podcasting I wanted to leave a review for the first episode meets in the middle, and I watched it twice, and during my first watch, I was so happy for Phil, I was along with him for the ride, along with him for his experience of uh, falling in love with someone, um, learning about them, getting to know them, having a breakup, uh, reconnecting, and during my second watch, I was just uh filled with so so much sadness for the guy. It was uh difficult watching this person um being preyed upon by this sort of psychic predator and uh, seeing him victimized throughout this entire experience was uh was in my opinion a very resulted in a very good twilight zone. It was obvious to me that Annie is fully aware of her abilities um how to use them and how she may um have mastered her ability to manipulate others to to do what she wants um through you know slight suggestions or implying you know certain actions um and i I did like that that during my first watch. I was sort of back and forth on believing whether or not Annie's voice was a manifestation of of Phil's own imagination. I wasn't quite sure. So that was, uh, for me, that was a really good way to experience the episode. Something that I found really uh, hilarious was the scene where Phil is on the date with the barista at the restaurant. And he says, oh, this is the best news ever. And at that point, I was really trying to pay attention to the people around sitting at the tables, uh, looking at their reactions to his, uh, you know, silent uh, and emotional miming of his conversation with Annie. I thought that I feel like that was a really well directed scene because everyone really did seem uh, sort of like, you know, confused and like sort of. Awkwardly nervous about this dude who's just standing up <laughs> and extending his arms and then yells. Uh, I really like that scene. Uh, skipping to the end, I think it was uh, pretty obvious that Annie had called the police ahead of time because they really came into that scene uh, fairly quickly. Uh, it, it was just minutes, not even minutes, after he entered the apartment. Um, and then killed the husband that they just barged through the door, so I think that that was just a a sign that she was upstairs calling the police uh and then she came downstairs and acted like she didn't know him i i of course I watched this on CBS all access and I did appreciate the fact that the thumbnails didn't spoil anything for me. I did make a a, a special effort to. To really not pay attention to them And just click into the episode uh, So that I wouldn't get spoiled But after watching it a couple times uh, It didn't seem as if the image that they put up Would have spoiled uh, anyone uh, Ratings, I think I would give this episode An 8 out of 10 I based that on the possibility of This episode um, Maybe becoming a series uh, On its own Uh, If it does, in my opinion, if uh, an episode does enough world building where I kind of would like to see uh, its own sort of spin-off television show or if it's just believable that this strange and alternate dimensional world could exist in a really good show, that's what um, influences my my rating. So, yeah, I'll give this an 8 out of 10. And uh, I am looking forward to the rest of the season. And I hope all is well. Take care.
0: Hey, Tom. Chad here with a couple of quick thoughts on Meat in the Middle and Downtime. I remember being really blown away by the first episode, The Comedian, of the new series, my expectations were pretty low at that time. Remakes have been enjoyable, but they haven't ever really sort of been the twilight zone. I think most people that's kind of the consensus. So being blown away by the comedian, I kind of had the opposite effect this time around. My expectations were really high, which is always a dangerous setup. Um, So meet in the Middle was off to a roaring start, especially the first scene. What I thought they were going to do is when he started having these voices in his head, I thought, oh, they're going to have a representation of all these digital conversations that are happening all the time take place in this guy's head. And I thought, that's fantastic. I can't wait to see what they do with this turns out it was one person in his head, it was sort of a rom-com, and then uh, we all know at the end he was just being used to uh, kill this woman's husband, you know, instead of just maybe putting some bleach in his uh, cocktail or something, she inhabits this other guy's mind and through a very convoluted means gets him to come kill the husband. So, in that regard, it was a little disappointing, and I sort of felt like the heart might not have been there. Maybe the morality play might not have been there as much. It was kind of there in some regards because he shut people out and he wasn't really receptive to people. Uh, so I, I could kind of see it. All the elements of Twilight Zone were there, and it was just beautifully acted. It was beautifully shot. It was it was you know wonderful to look at but especially the third act it kind of went off the rails for me and i kind of felt hollow after seeing it a little bit disappointed which is unusual for me uh the second one downtime this was a short episode so it was a throwback to the old original you know series one through three and and series five of the original with the half an hour format this one i think was written by jordan peele if i'm not mistaken and again great setup wonderfully acted beautifully shot Good suspense, didn't know what was going to happen. I loved that uh, sort of eye in the sky, uh, the sort of Death Star that was controlling everyone, everyone being frozen. This really felt like spot on Twilight Zone, and I think it was, Uh, but again, when you get to the third act, it completely fell apart because I didn't see the twist. The ending was just like the ending to any other television show any other show in the genre i just didn't see the ending just puffed out Uh, but otherwise i probably liked this one you know i liked it a lot i liked them both they were both good twilight zone um enjoyable to watch but both of them kind of left me a bit disappointed um maybe it's just having the higher expectations maybe it's just that 2020 absolutely sucks and uh that could be playing into it as well who knows but i'm glad we have it i'm excited to keep watching and to see what everybody thinks of these the discussions online have really enriched it uh, on the flick chat um really i sort of like the episodes more having seen the discussions of them and i'm sure that the podcasts on them are going to do the same thing so anyway we're lucky to have them i think they're good but uh, especially the the endings of these first two episodes there's just some just a, a lot wanting in those so far for me anyway so i can't wait to see what everybody says and cheers <laughs>
7: Hi, Tom. Matt here once again from Anthology Podcast, a podcast where I watch and review The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and cover other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology shows. Uh, Here I have some quick thoughts about Downtime, the second episode of The Twilight Zone, Uh, this one's written by Jordan Peele. Um, So this one I had a lot of excitement toward. I was very excited about this episode, specifically because Jordan Peele wrote it, and I was very excited about him writing an episode. I respected the show for not doing that in the first season like I I thought that it was wise of them to kind of have the first season exist as as its own thing and then and then have Jordan Peele come and write an episode for season two Um, I thought it was cool of them to kind of have that restraint so I had high hopes for it because I'm a big fan of Get Out and Us and Key and Peele honestly (laughs) Uh, just I'm I'm a big fan of Jordan Peele as, as a as a creative person and downtime for the most part was pretty okay. Um, the big issue that I had was I felt like it didn't have a lot of kind of dramatic propulsion. Um, it's a lot of Michelle just kind of wandering around and having this existential crisis, which is good and it's, it's solid, um, and introspective. And I, I like it for that, but it just felt like, for instance, the, the, whole thing with the customer service people kind of chasing her down that had all the makings of being like this action set piece of like this foot chase throughout a city of just completely um <laughs> elegy-like statuesque people that are woken up out of their dreams. Um, But it doesn't go that far. Um, The customer service people are just kind of whisked away by Tom on the roof. And it kind of felt like the big ultimate decision that she had to make as to whether or not to exit the game and give Phineas a a chance at a recovery and a life with Ellen or to stay in the game and self-preserve as her own person. Um, That is just kind of kind of whisked away also by Tom saying like, yeah, Phineas is dead. Uh, he died like five minutes after we took him off of life support. So just sign this waiver and you can live in this game forever. um So that kind of didn't sit well with me. But I think ultimately I did like her characterization because upon like further reflection and everything, it's more about her kind of existence and her coming to terms with her existence and living with the knowledge that she's maybe not real. It kind of evokes a lot of a world of difference from the original series, um, in some pretty cool ways. So overall, I thought that downtime was pretty solid. Um, it's something that I think will grow on me as I rewatch it and, and everything, but ultimately it, it's, it was kind of, uh, a little bit scattered for me. um, yeah, I will say that the visual effects like the like seeing that big orb in the sky was just really really cool. Um really cool imagery. So, yeah, so those are my thoughts on Downtime. Uh thank you so much for for playing this clip and for doing what you do. I love the show and hope you keep doing it and keep up the great work. Uh I'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs>
10: Hey there, Tom. Harold Clark, reporting in from Butte, Texas, talking about Meet Me in the Middle and downtime. So first off, I need to give a big, big thumbs down, uh, a million negative points to uh, CBS or whoever is behind the the CBS app. As uh, as friends of the show know, I, I guess I'm president of the No Previews Club. So when this new season came around, I didn't watch the trailer, I didn't read any things about it, uh, the, pretty much all I saw was, you know, some some uh, episode titles and some stars. I knew nothing about what the stories were going to be about, and, you know, I sat down on the couch and got ready to to watch it and pulled up the app and uh, on my good old PS4, and Uh, There's all the episodes with a thumbnail associated with each episode. And what's in the very first thumbnail for Meet Me in the Middle? uh, What we come to find out is Annie and Audra sitting on the stairs. So in my mind, I'm going, "Okay, well, it's going to be a story about a woman and her child. That doesn't happen until the last 30 seconds of the whole thing. So the whole time I was watching this, I was waiting for this to, to show up. That would be like having a thumbnail for, uh, will the real Martian please stand up? The thumbnail is the diner with his third eye showing. Oh, man. I mean, it doesn't give away the whole twist of the episode, but still you're thinking, when is this going to happen and what's going on? So uh, it really tainted my viewing of this first episode. But that said, uh, so meet me in the middle. 20 minutes in, we get the why am I here, what's my purpose, got to be here for a reason, right? And, you know, you can make all kinds of episodes, uh, you know, regarding just that. You can make a whole season just about what your purpose is. Um, for me, uh, the thing that I found myself thinking about a- after this episode was when exactly did Annie hatch her plot uh, to do this? Um had she tried this before, uh, um, and failed? Um, did she just happen to get into get into his head, and then about halfway through realized, hey, wait a minute, maybe I can twist this to my advantage. Um, I mean, she she pretended to be in a much farther away city, so they could meet in the middle. So there is some sort of uh, advanced planning. Um, you know, and it, it's an interesting puzzle to figure out uh, how this all fits into place, but it's, it's self-containing to the episode itself as opposed to some real-world uh, advice or parallel. Um, I mean, unless you want to extrapolate the dangers of online dating, I mean, if nothing else, maybe get to know someone before getting in the batter's box or even to first base. I mean, too often we want to hit a quick home run, and uh, then move on to the next team slash date. But who knows? Who knows? One interesting thing that happened to me while watching this episode, though, was when I watch these episodes, I watch them with subtitles on. So <clears throat> when he goes to meet up with his lady doctor and Annie gets into his head once again, and, and you end up having multiple people kind of talking at the same time, all of a sudden the, the words... Come across the bottom of the screen that say the rapist, which I realized was actually therapist, but my brain said the rapist. And boy, (laughs) did my brain take off on a story going, wait a minute, is Annie a rapist? Oh, what if he's a rapist? And Annie is the voice in the head in his head of a woman that he's wronged and This is going to be all about him and all the women that he's raped and they're going to get into his head and drive him crazy and get revenge. And no, that's not this episode. Maybe another Twilight Zone episode, perhaps, but not this one. So on to downtime. Oh, by the way, score for that for me was seven out of 10. Um, Like I said, nothing nothing that made me want to think about, you know, how can I better my life? Again, interesting puzzle. So, you know, a little bit better than average. So seven out of 10. So on to downtime, Uh, great setup to the episode. Uh, uh, Michelle is set up uh, to be a great negotiator. And when she sees this giant orb in the sky, I thought, ah, she's gonna negotiate with an invading alien force, cool. But it wasn't that. In fact, uh, her uh, negotiating skills never came into play. Not even at the end with the quote contract signing. So, disappointing on that front. So questions arise for me. How does this work exactly? What about time zones? Different sleep times? Does it work for naps? How about those that sleep during the day? And finally, how does a contract signing in a digital world work anyway? So Michelle is just code now? Zeros and ones? but. Happy to see her wife in this world, so you know a lot of a lot of things of me trying to piece together exactly how all of this technology works. So as I said, this this I watched this episode with subtitles on, and when the uh, when the two helpers come into her house initially and say, "Hey, we're here to help you," um, they specifically said that one of them was an Afro-punk skater. And I thought, huh, Afro-punk skater. Hmm, why do we look the way we do? You know, that's, that's what started popping into my head. You know, why, why does customer support look like the young skater people, uh, but, the, but the escalated customer service is an older person? Uh, is it better to negotiate with? Who knows? Um, but I find, I found myself wandering down that path of why take on the, the, the look that you do. Um, so what did I take away from this episode though? Um, I, I mean, I don't know really. Um, I find myself spending time piecing together to, the episode to see if it makes sense and how this works. But in doing that, it feels like I've missed something, uh, about what the episode is actually saying. Um. For me, what personally impacted me for this episode is uh, the way someone looks and how that can affect someone, someone else's perception of them. Uh, but that's obviously not this episode, but maybe another episode, Twilight Zone episode, perhaps. So overall, six out of ten. Um, uh, both of these episodes were, you know, were shot well. Um, you know, I, I did enjoy that it wasn't, you know, some sort of uh, Uh, political statement pounding over the head. Um, But on the other hand, again, I'm trying to think, you know, what is the the elevator pitch about this, you know, these episodes, and what can I take from it? And for both of the episodes, I find myself trying to figure out how the episode itself works as opposed to what really the episode is trying to say. But, you know, so we'll see how the rest of the the season goes. But, you know, so far, um, you know, not not too bad uh, the score for this for me was six out of ten again meet me in the middle seven out of ten so there's room to grow and there's uh there's room to get worse and i hope it hopefully it won't get worse so uh, anyway looking forward to hearing everyone's thoughts and i'll talk at you with episodes three and four okay talk to you then bye
11: hello there this is jason uh Tom, I admire the podcast. You've always given creative, in-depth analysis of the Rod Serling Classic and certainly of Peel's Modern Reboot. The late-night Twilight Zone radio feel you provide is a real treat to all of us fans, and so thank you very much for the, all of the shows you've done and for all of the shows you'll continue to do. I am studying to become a teacher, and I remember in 7th grade my English teacher showed us the monsters are due on Maple Street to present plot to us. I bring this up because that was sort of a capturing of my curiosity for the show, and I'm eager to bring the to return the favor to my future students. Because in this beloved show there's so much to learn and so much to offer, so much to teach. Anyways, with the kickoff of season two, Meet in the Middle was an absolutely fantastic show. I want to say Annie voiced by Jillian Jacobs and Phil voiced or acted by Jimmy Simpson were both phenomenal. So uh, they gained this interpersonal relationship in what Peel would describe as wires being crossed or frequencies being crossed. And judging by the end of the show you either prescribe to to one or two ways of viewing the show. So one, you do believe that Phil overlooked his mental health alarms and the diagnosis that his psychiatrist was giving him, the multiple uh, personality disorder. And somehow by some Twilight Twilight Zone fate, he ended up in Jillian's home to murder her husband. Or... You do believe they were having a connection and Phil is not crazy as one would say but rather he was being manipulated the whole time by Annie. Because she needed to get out of this uh, what seemed as a dark relationship if she wanted that so bad. Either way you must love the ambiguity the show presents because you do have to raise a brow at Phil. He does have a few slips if you will for one he hears only what he wishes to hear for instance when he asks Annie if she likes cats or dogs she says cats which is something I believe Phil wanted to hear only later on his uh, search of her social media Annie has a picture with a dog and he doesn't raise a brow at that he just kind of glosses over it like it never happened so yeah i think phil has opportunities at love multiple times in the show with women right in front of him on the two dates however he creates this voice in his head to get away from them because he's so uninterested in the woman in front of him and he's so cynical that he wants to create this other world or this other love that is much more interesting and much more like a romantic comedy and he does get that for a few days when he's sort of falling for this woman in his head. And I do think it was very nice to see Phil in a happy state. Uh, only it only lasted for so long until he got into the train. Yes, when the second act of the show becomes much more darker like a horror story even. And I think they did that well with the show. Um... I have to shout out the time enough at last piece when Phil picks up the broken glasses and is screaming into the air. That was such a great moment and sort of a parody, (laughs) if you will. Um, Also, at the end, I I really am interested to hear what other fans have to say about the ending. Because, yeah, I don't know if he does Phil deserve that. Yes, he murdered a man, but he did so in what he thought was an act of heroism. And so I think the show is trying to convey for us that his cosmic justice is a result of his dismissal of the mental health issues and alarms that were going on within him. And by ignoring that, eventually it led to a tragedy. So, yeah, thank you very much.
1: Hey, Tom, Jeff here with some feedback uh, for season two Uh, this is my first foray into the (laughs) voice messages uh, system usually I was just emailing you but uh, so please bear with me hopefully these (laughs) will get better and I'll be more articulate as the season goes on but anyway uh, see uh, yeah episode one beat in the middle And I gotta say, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to, you know, this new season dropping, pretty interesting that they chose to kind of dump them all, all at once, um, you know, Netflix style, um, I'd be interested to know the reasoning behind that, um, yeah, because I don't think that was the, that's been the model for most of the other CBS shows, but, uh. Anyway, yeah, meet in the middle. Yeah, I gotta say, I I didn't love it. <laughs> uh, again, not not very articulate. I, I I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this episode. Actually, to be frank, uh, just to say, just seemed kind of got a little tedious to me after a while with the, you know, kind of weird angled close up of his head and. He was really gesturing wildly, <laughs> um, and I think I think he, he's a really good actor. I, I don't think it's his fault at all. Um, I don't know if it's a problem in the direction he was given, but um, yeah, I just the whole thing felt it felt a little long to me, especially around a halfway point. Um, you know, kind of went exactly where. You know I thought it was going and um yeah that's <laughs> so I really don't have a lot to say about it uh unfortunately i <laughs> not great for feedback purposes but uh anyway let's get to downtime uh episode two and which uh which i really um i enjoyed i I find it interesting with the at least the first two episodes that I don't know if they're doing a conscious shift away from more of the, you know, more of the social issues of the first season, at least being so direct and blatant about it. Um, you know, we all, we all know the the criticisms level at the first season in that regard, so we don't need to rehash them. (laughs) Uh especially in this current climate today, but, um, yeah, downtime, um, had me, had me pretty interested for a while, and then, yeah, I don't know, it just seemed, again, I think all the, the acting was good, um, you know, it looked nice, um, Again, with all these CBS shows, it seems like they really do put their money where their mouth is. They they try to put out a great-looking product. Um, and then it just kind of ended at the end. Uh, I really didn't... I wasn't very invested in in the character. I don't know why. Um just didn't seem to really grab me. Uh, I thought the concept was you know mildly interesting again kind of like in the first episode um it just seemed like something i'd seen before and i know you know we we've you know there are no new stories under the sun at this point um but i guess the the biggest change could be how we present them and yeah i not just uh i don't know it's <laughs> It's hard. I. It's funny because when they when they have an episode where it's kind of like mediocre for me, I, I. It's not much to say about it, which is very, I know, uh, kind of contradictory to why I, why I, I know, why am I leaving feedback anyway for something I didn't feel particularly one way or the other about. But um, I love the I love the podcast, and I just wanted to contribute uh to the discussion in some small way. And um, yeah, look forward to hearing your take on it. Oh, and um, if I was to assign a number between one and ten, meet in the middle, I would give a four out of ten. I really, yeah, didn't (laughs) didn't do much for me. And downtime, I would give a seven, seven out of ten. So, you know, overall, an okay start to the season. And you know I'm pretty pretty hopeful for the rest of them. I uh, really haven't seen much in terms of trailers. Trying to stay away from that. But uh, anyway, thanks for letting me ramble on here, and uh, I will do my best to uh, improve as the uh, as the season goes on. So um, you know, thanks again, Tom, and uh, everyone. I look forward to hearing your thoughts on it. All right, bye.
12: Hi Tom, it's Adam Cook. I'm going to keep my comments somewhat brief this time around, but I just didn't want to pass up this opportunity to, uh, to get my voice on the podcast. Um, so first, Meet in the Middle, fantastic episode. It was, uh, it was really everything that I would want from a new Twilight Zone episode. It was, uh, a compelling story. There was a mystery. Um that uh I will be honest, I didn't see the end coming. Um in hindsight, I feel like I should have seen it, but I didn't, and uh it was great. It had um these elements of the Twilight Zone uh from the original series that uh, I love. Um you know, Harken to a Penny for Your Thoughts, um and uh uh Harken to Night Call. Um, with this uh, mysterious conversation with someone um, that they're longing to have this conversation. It's really well done, really well acted. Um, I did think that Jimmy Simpson, who's an amazing actor, um, maybe overacted a little bit. It was a little bit uh over the top, but it worked. It worked great. It was just a fun story. Um, and, uh you know, it, it did stay away from any um uh any current topics and to some degree that's refreshing. I like uh I just listened to um uh to your last podcast, uh your interview with Wynne Rosenfeld. I get it. I get what he's saying. I'm on board with um you can't avoid current topics. But it was refreshing to have something that was just pure story, linear, start to finish, fantastic. Um I didn't feel as excited about Downtime, Uh, it was interesting, it was well done, but um, to be honest, it felt more like a Black Mirror episode than a Twilight Zone episode, and um, I like Black Mirror uh, just fine, it's just not the Twilight Zone, Um, and also the ending was just a little bit flat for me, Um, it wasn't so much a twist as just a, this is what happened. It was a little bit, it felt a little hobbled together. It just wasn't, it didn't do it uh, for me nearly as much as meet in the middle. Um, I am making a point not to watch episodes ahead of uh, each week's podcast, and so I'll be watching two at a time, so I don't know exactly what to expect from the rest of the season, Um, but if we can be looking for more episodes, uh, like Meet in the Middle, um, or even more episodes like Downtime, then this could be a phenomenal season. Excited that you're doing this again. Um, thank you so much for keeping the conversation going and, uh, we'll look forward to, um, continuing to watch the rest of the season, um, together. Thanks, Tom.
5: Hi, my name is Michelle and I live in Dallas, Texas. My comment is about the first episode, "Meet in the Middle. I wasn't too thrilled with it. I'm a huge fan of original Twilight Zone, but one of its weaknesses was its treatment of women. Abuse of women was sometimes used as a plot device or just treated as a fact of life. Even in the episode most similar to this one, Living Doll, there's a little bit of a letdown at the end. You realize that the abused woman and child have very little agency because it turns out that the doll who had been working on behalf of the victims really just has a mind of its own. This modern episode, Meet in the Middle, has its bright spots. The opening narration, the atmosphere, and a fascinating premise. Ultimately though, it's deeply flawed because I think the story is told from the wrong point of view. Those of us who've witnessed or experienced abuse will recognize Phil's red flags in a matter of seconds. And so the ending is telegraphed. While his descent into apparent madness is compelling and well-played by Simpson, The amount of time we have to spend with him, empathize with him, wait for his payoff and be sickened by his violence just isn't justified. I would much more have preferred to see the episode from Annie's point of view. How did she discover this ability? What other avenues had she tried in getting away from her abusive husband? How did she decide to weaponize one abuser over another? If we could have gotten to know her, we could spend more time thinking about the ethics of her chosen method of escape. The Twilight Zone is known for addressing social issues and domestic violence is familiar enough to viewers that it deserves a good science fiction treatment and some therapeutic cosmic justice straight from the Twilight Zone. Instead, a complex female character is disembodied and reduced to a plot device and we spend yet another hour of television being forced to contemplate the motives of an uncomplicated, abusive, angry man. When he's taken to jail at the end, we don't care and worse, we know almost nothing about Annie or her motives. What could have been a creative and original treatment of a common societal problem turns out too much like stories we've seen before and requires too little of the viewer. I was left disturbed and disappointed. If I had to rate this episode, I'd give it a five out of 10. Great acting, intriguing premise, but the payoff is lacking.
13: What's so, up, Tom? This is Uncommon NASA sending you the first of what will likely be five clips for the new series, the new season of the new series of the Twilight Zone. Uh, for full disclosure, I have watched the first four episodes at the time of this recording. Uh, this weekend, I'm probably going to hit the rest of them. Uh, I, man. This series, it it, it certainly gives you a lot to talk about, at least. Um, Well, let's start here. Um, I want to start with the things that I found really positive. I'm going to keep this one to the first two, you know, in keeping with the format. So I'll talk about some conclusions that I I think I've made, at least for myself, uh, in the next clip next week. But uh, let's just talk about the the series itself so far starting. I want to start with the positives. I, I think... The look of the show, the consistency of the look, carries over into season two really well and really perfectly. Uh, whoever is doing the costume design, the set design, the scouting for wherever they're doing like actual shooting instead of on sets, I-, I think that's to a credit too. Like some of it looks like it's in a real city, some of it maybe isn't. They're doing a really good job with that. Everything looks amazing. Um, you know and and it's consistent and it looks great and i think that they're they sort of know what they want it to look like even more so you know it's one thing to know what you want in a season 1 and then do it and figure it out and it's another thing to have seen what you did and then replicate and enhance on that and i think they totally have done that this season um, i also think that the directing Uh, follow suit it's it's much tighter much better the angles that what they're trying to say with the angles that what they're expressing emotionally with the way that it's shot what the actors are um, doing and performing all points to really great direction you know where i think i've got some issues thus far is sort of the writing and the direction of of the writing i tried not to take a look at the flick chat you know, just because I, I wanted to sort of express my own opinion, but I couldn't resist taking a look. And um, I saw that most people were really positive about the first couple of episodes. And so it, it, if nothing else, it just made me feel bad <laughs> for not liking what I saw for the most part. Um, there are elements of what was done that I really liked. But I'll put it to you this way. The, the hype around the second season before it came out from people that had seen it before it came out was that this season was different. It wasn't as politically charged. It was more about the inner self. And you know that that may or may not be a good thing. And I I was open-minded to that being a good thing because I think the sort of experiment, the entertainment experiment of taking the original Twilight Zone and and splitting the atoms, so to speak, and saying, Season one is going to be about the political statements, or the the social justice statements, or the civil rights statements, and season two is going to be about the inner self, the the conscious, the the ethics stuff, and then season three would be about this or that or whatever other thing that you want to split from the combined thirty three episode, four out of five seasons of the original, and then of course the the season four hour longs. I think that's an interesting experiment, but I don't know if that experiment is working after watching the first, let's just say two episodes since that's what we're talking about here. So, let's get into the actual episodes themselves before I before I really go negative here because I don't want to just crush, you know, in America we have a a saying that I don't use personally that I think Tommy might find funny being from England and not hearing it is uh, I don't want to come and piss on everyone's flakes. But, that being said, um, I started watching the first episode, uh, which was called Meet in the Middle, and I thought I really liked what I saw. Like, I thought the inner conversation with the woman and the expression of his loneliness and possibly her loneliness, at that point you don't know whether she's real or not. I just, and the intimacy that comes from that, you know, him going against the grain of what, you know, society wanted for him, which was sort of like, you know, to just get married to anyone that was available he wanted something deeper, and he and he found it by this weird Twilight Zone interaction. And all that was going great, and there were a lot of great messages. Um, it reminded me a little bit of, like, the themes that were in Hang the DJ from Black Mirror. And then the ending happened. Wow, I didn't like what they did at all. It made the entire messaging of the episode pointless to me, just for the sake of putting in a twist. I just didn't I didn't like it I didn't get it I thought because they didn't end on the time enough at last shot of him picking up the glasses that just became gratuitous it was just pointless to be in the episode it was just there for the sake of you know an easter egg whereas if the episode had ended there you would have had the same sort of ending of like wow this guy didn't do anything to anybody except want what he wanted and 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 he was shattered by that and that would have been i don't know maybe it would have been a cornier ending but it certainly would have made sense i think that's the key thing is like what are you trying to tell me with this episode so if you don't have a a social issue bent on something you know if you're not giving me point of origin or replay you got to give me something else and that something else was undone by that ending and I say all that to say that that echoed in my head and kind of like shaded the next three episodes I watched, the first of which I'll get into here. But I I was left kind of bitter with that ending and it. And it clogged my mind in watching the other ones which is why i stopped at four i probably could have kept going not sure if my wife would have wanted me to keep going but i probably could have went going but i stopped there I, i needed to take a break i needed to get some sleep before i recorded this and i needed to understand before i just went through the whole season in a night you know give it some distance from this ending that was so disappointing to me so we get into the second episode which is called downtime um I, I much preferred this episode. Uh, I thought the look of this episode was great. Um, it just, everything was styled really well. You know, like the, the service kids that came into the world, like just being skateboarder kids, you know, like flunky type kids was, was really cool uh, and a good metaphor for, you know, entry level IT people. Marina Baccarin, um was really great in the whole episode. I remember her originally from V, which was. A really underrated show on ABC probably doesn't hold up you know the remake of VI at the time I really liked it
1: <laughs> it's
13: hard for me to believe that ABC put on a good science fiction show um, but I liked it at the time and then of course she ended up in the Deadpool movies it was great in that so I thought she was the star of the show and and really did a great job and you know I, I thought you know the second tier tech you know the way he was dressed everything was really stylized cool And here's a big point for me about downtime and why it's different than meet in the middle and, you know, maybe some other episodes coming up is the runtime was something like 30 something minutes. So, you know, if you're going to give me something that's just sort of making these meandering points about society, but not really drilling down and just kind of trying to give me something weird, then give it to me in 30 something minutes so that it becomes a metaphor. Limit your time so that you're not talking too much in the episode so that I can draw my own conclusions. And I think that's what this episode did much better. And I think it's something like if you're not going to give me that you know, not all men heavy-handed stuff, then make it short because then it it, it lets the 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 viewer use their own creativity and fill in the blanks. And I think that's what downtime did really well. I see here that that episode was written by Jordan Peele, which I did not know. I watched them without looking at credits or anything like that. I actually was wrong. I, in my head, I thought that Jordan didn't write any episodes for this season, but he, uh, apparently he did, and he wrote uh, my favorite one so far. Let's give some grades, because uh, that's what what we're asked for um, with these feedbacks, for the for the stats. I think, meet in the middle. Unfortunately because of the way it ended and the lack of messaging and the lack of a point, in my opinion, I have to I have to be the harsh judge here and I, I out of ten I have to give Meet in the Middle I give it a five Because I really liked the first two acts and I thought it was going great until they completely just pull the rug out from under it for downtime i would give it a strong but reasoned seven and the reason i'm not going to go higher than that is because i think that not only is season two challenged by living up to rod serling and living up to the original series i think to some extent what i'm finding for me is that it's having a, a hard time at least early on my first impression of living up to season one of its own series I think that I will leave it there (laughs) because I have some other more formulated opinions after watching the next two episodes that I'll get into then.